Hi, I'm Ron Coleman, a partner in the Dillon Law Group, social media legend and free speech enthusiast. When I started the Coleman Nation podcast in the spring of 2021, its focus was on free expression and censorship on the internet. But as important as that subject is to me, which is very important, I felt hemmed in in the podcast. I wanted to spend more time talking to the interesting people I've met in my legal and free speech work without feeling a need to have them all make the same point. So I culminated the first series of the podcast and have started the second series. I hope you'll enjoy these conversations as much as I have recording them. Culminators, I want to talk to you today and introduce you to a friend of mine for many years, a person who is a disgrace, Martina Marcota. By her own admission, she's a disgraced New York City life nightlife icon. This is this is the phraseology that Martina has chosen uh, on her many uh, platforms, a model and performance artist who goes under the name of, of Lady Alchemy, also owner of Magnum Opus Productions, studied math at NYU, so already we know who the smartest person in the room is, spent 10 years working in the performing arts industry. I'm already learning something I didn't know it was an industry. The business, right? The biz. She was later exposed, exposed, as a right-winger and hounded out of work by right-wing critics. And she and I have have shared many, many moments during that experience uh, uh, that she has suffered from. She was with The Daily Caller for a while in Washington, D.C. as a video producer. What Martina Marcota is, is a culture vulture of the sort that you really don't find anymore. And although um, there's a million things we could talk about, uh, I, I, I'm really looking to hear Martina's uh, thoughts about the future of culture in our country. So Martina, thank you so much for joining the program today. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored. Well, I don't know about honored. Let's not push it here. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I, am. I don't do that many interviews anymore. I kind of just keep to myself. So this is the first one in a while. But isn't that because most people hate you now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. Well, okay. So since so many people hate me as well, not nearly <laughs> as many as hate you, though, I think. Oh, ouch. No, I mean, you seem, <laughs> no, but that means you're doing something very, very right, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Or is it very, very right wing? Um, Martina, how did you move into, how do you go from being a math major? I mean, I guess most math, most math, you understand that this is anyone who's ever listened to my program before knows at better schools and NYU can be in some departments, one of the better schools, right? You don't, they're not training schools. You didn't, you didn't, be, you didn't major in math in order to become a mathematician. That's very, very few people do that. Right. But nonetheless, you also didn't major in cultural studies or any, anything even from the humanities. And yet that seems to be the space that you kind of work in. So what's what's the evolution here? Yeah, I mean, I think it always has been there, that mix since I was younger, when I was in high school a while ago. Uh, uh, ten, <laughs> 10 years ago, I guess, huh? Uh, we'll say 10. Um, but like I took like all the AP art portfolios and art history, as well as IB math studies and like all that stuff. And there was a point where Where'd I- Where'd you go to high school? You don't have to tell me the name of the town if you want, but what's- what... No, it's okay. I went to Red Hook High School. It's up uh, in the Hudson Valley. Uh -huh. So it's a lovely, lovely Hudson Valley area. I don't know, near Woodstock, if you know it up there, Rhinebeck. Yes. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Really lovely. Oh, so that's interesting because, because yeah. I, I know that that's, although the further north you go in New York, the redder it gets- yeah. I also know that the that the part of upstate North that you're talking about is on the crunchy side. It, yeah, it, it's kind of a funky, you know. They they so the hip some of the hippies never really left. Yeah, you know, it's a weird it's a weird combination because it is very hippy dippy, like artsy, very artsy. Like you know, Woodstock is right there. You'd be surprised how some super granola like hippies are kind of right wing. Like remember they used to be like anti-vax and all that, and like they were homeschoolers. So it's weird because you get some of that. You get a lot of city people that came up and then they started making the um, real estate kind of rise, and and it got a little bit more lefty. But there's also some local like 
rednecks would call them you know there's like farm it's farmlands right, you know? right. <laughs> but then some farmland is like very like organic hippy dippy like come to our orchard and vineyard so they can be also maybe lefty kind of farms so it's a mix it's a mix of a bag there so it's all right i definitely know plenty of people on our side politically and then i definitely know a lot of people from my hometown that are like championing against me that are like they want to change the town make sure that we're all progressive and i've been keeping an eye on the school system because when i was there i i have not seen all that that's going on with the school systems with the equity and the you know race kind of calling out or whiteness or that didn't exist like we just had it was mostly white town, but I remember we had an Indian or a black person here and there or whatever, and no one made it even a stink about it. We all just kind of got along. So no, that we turned out that that was a big mistake. We were all actually suppressing our hatred now, and now the hatred is flowing <laughs> yes. freely, and we can truly enjoy it. Okay, so so in so in high school, you 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 were cooking in this sort of cultural. Yeah, so like I was always into the arts, but I was also a math tutor and I knew that like I wanted to do something. I liked both of those things and I always have. And I remember toying around when I was looking at colleges about going to art school and pursuing an arts career. But then something clicked in me where I was like, I don't think that going to school for arts is really the thing I should go for something like math. Like, you know, like it clicked in the two, early 2000s that maybe school is like a scam if you're going for like what why why am I going for art <laughs> there's no use for that and I also I don't want to be forced to do art I kind of want to do it on my own leisure and, and studying it so in depth was a bit much and and I was like I think it'd be a smarter choice to do something more like math and and so it's going to be a math teacher actually oh so um, you, so it wasn't you wanted to be a quantitative analyst or a physicist no. or you you want you you wanted to maybe teach mathematics. Yeah, I was really good a uh, tutor and I'm a really great teacher. I'm going to homeschool myself. So I guess the skill comes in handy now eventually. <laughs> yes, well you are a pedant and you are you you should be wearing your teaching shoes for this yeah. for this session because that's that's why we called. All right, so so you finished NYU. You get the degree and you promptly do not become a teacher or did you? No. Uh I mean to be a teacher you need a masters um in New York State. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even to be like, a high, well, to be at least a high school teacher. Yeah. You take, I think even early education. Um, so you need a master's. It's, it's pretty vigorous. And I think New York and California are the toughest state requirements for teaching. Um, in terms of credentials as opposed to credentials. ability yeah. or knowledge or character. Yeah. Okay. I don't know all the rest of the country. <laughs> like, I just know that New York is really tough. I, I'm pretty sure you can even just get an associates in another state and just like, I don't know, even student teach or whatever it's called, be assistant teacher, do something, but you need all sorts of degrees and stuff in New York. And yeah, it was the mid two thousands. And I was like, uh, I think that school's a scam. <laughs> I was like kind of into all that conspiracy stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, school's a scam. Like I'm spending so much money at NYU. Like well, NYU was so expensive. Oh my God. It's so expensive. Just to be a teacher. And I just kind of got burnt out. It took a lot of upper level math. I mean, like multivariable calculus, engineering physics, like circuit. Like, and I was like, I'm so burnt. Ladies and gentlemen, Ron Coleman is nodding his head knowingly only <laughs> because he's heard these terms. Okay. <laughs> Well, I, you studied law. That's a whole, you know, it's like logic. So, you know, logic and math, like. No, no, I, I, well, well, and I was an economics major, but, you know, there okay. was there was a math track and it was a non-math yeah. track. And right. even, even on the non-math track, like, the you know, um, macroeconomics is very uh -huh. heavy in modeling. And uh, I was just awful. But the fact is, like you, as kind of an artsy-fartsy or kind of person spiritually. Yeah. I forced myself to to major in something that would have some rigor, right? Because I felt that I can always be artsy fartsy, but I'm not going to have the opportunity to to learn a rigorous discipline that yeah. might be analyze, you know, issues and whatnot. I think it's an important balance. Um, and that's where Lady Alchemy kind of comes in. Uh, the study of alchemy is like, there's a balance of science and something a little bit more spiritual and art can be a bit spiritual and all that stuff. So you need a little bit of both. And so that's why sometimes I wax and wane on like, 
the artsiness or the like logic side uh, side of it and that's kind of what happened is I got burnt out of the math and then I said school's a scam anyway um and then I said let me just do some of my artsy thing like I, I miss doing the arts and I so, was you, doing so you so you're in New York you New York New York University this is just a couple of years ago of course uh but you but it was a couple it was a key couple of years ago because this was really when New York was in its glory oh yeah in our lifetime I mean I would say so, because if you look at the mid 2000s, even up to like mid 2010s, it, it was safe. I never felt like I was in danger. I used to run around as a single young woman running around in the middle of the night, nightlife, you know, and all made up. And it it was fun. The parties were fun. The, you know, even the LGBT crowd that I was a part of, we'll get into, it was really fun. You know, we were a bunch of weirdos that dressed up and went out and, and it was just it was safe and it was fun. And, you know, now everyone has sees online and they go online complaining about New York, which I defend, but it's like, you know, it's a little scarier today. It's a bit different. Yes, so yes, it was, it, I would say it was a heyday for sure. Okay. So you're, you're hanging around with this artsy crowd running around. Are you, are you making a living yet? You're working? Um, well, I did a little bit of uh, catering and stuff like that. I worked for a staffing company. And uh, then I, you know, I had to build a business. But once the bookings start getting more for Lady Alchemy, less catering gigs happen. And the next thing you know, yeah, I'm full-time. Got an agent. So wait, all right. All right. So tell us about Lady Alchemy then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've always been into alchemy. And again, that's like a little science side mixed with. But that's in other words, that was your metaphor of choice. Yeah. Taking the base in, of this world. Yeah. And, and elevating it into. Yeah. Transmuting it into a piece of art. So, yeah, it was taking certain truths and, um, you know, you're a spiritual person. So it's like there's. Yes, 100 percent. And that's like, what it's all about. Yeah, there's like spiritual concepts and it was like, how do I portray that in the visual performing realm? So that was my aim. It was always to try to try to do that. So you, you get into, so here, now were you politically tuned in at all at this point in your life? Yeah, so I am first generation American. My both my parents and my older sister were born in former Yugoslavia. So I was raised really um anti-communist because yeah, no, I know the my mother same thing yeah my mother warned me about communism and remember in the 90s there was the Yugoslavian breakup and the war going on she would also complain about Muslims when I was young because there's like a thing there with like the, I'm Roman Catholic and uh just I think Croatians are very nationalist where there was there was a lot of pieces to it that kind of made me raised pretty <clears throat> conservative despite me running around in new york city doing some artsy fartsy shit <laughs> which is why i'm asking because and, and not only artsy fartsy shit but it's not the, it's not at least at that stage as far as i know when i'm talking about fine arts right you're not a sculptress you're not a painter why do we say sculptress we don't say s for anything anymore right <laughs> chicks are actors now okay? <laughs> but you're not a sculptress and you're not a paintrix uh <laughs> You or our poet or a poetess, but rather yeah. you you are a performance artist, which is really kind of weird because that is a truly artsy fartsy lefty hefty oh, yeah. kind of a business, and yet you saw am I correct in assuming that you saw it as nonetheless a useful mode for expressing the artistic statements you wanted to make? Absolutely, because I mean people. I, I like dance. I like movement, you know, so that's kind of my thing. And I like visual arts. I like theater. I like the stage, uh, I like theatrics and lighting and, and all that stuff. Stagecraft is really fascinating to me. You're sharing something. I'm sure. um, <laughs> some of the, some of the, some of the stuff uh, that uh, you have done, you know, that's so interesting. Uh, this is oh, this is like my modeling stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I did this campaign. Um, well, so wait, to get back to your, your comments about it, what was that? Um, about, about the, about, about being, the performing being, arts. being yeah. sort of a conservative oriented person and yet feeling comfortable in the world of performing arts, which tends to be. Yeah. So like the performing arts, like, um, performance artist kind of thing is, 
I mean, I'm not going to be a ballerina. You have to train since you're like three years old to do that, which, but I love ballet. It's a great base. Everyone should do it if you're into performance arts um, and all that. But, and I'm never going to be like a rocket or any of that stuff. What I liked was being in this kind of grungy New York City scene where we got to kind of express ourselves. And I mean, being in a lineup of other people and just being like one of a million other dancers going to an audition wasn't really appealing to me. <laughs> I wanted to be like a weirdo. I'm like, I'm Lady Alchemy. I want to create my own persona. So performance art is kind of like the the place where you could do that. You know, if you think of any performance artist out there, it's like they do, I don't know, like even Marina Abramovic, it's like she sits there at an art gallery and just sits at a table all day long and you can come up to her, you know, so you can express yourself in different ways. So how do I take alchemy and express it my way? I tend to do it more theatrical than Marina Abramovic, but you know. Folks, we stick a pin in in, in what <laughs> in what Martina just said, because this is going to be, we're going to circle back to this when we talk about culture in this country. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So this is you're you're developing this career and you're finding that people are willing to pay you to do the things that you're doing. Yeah. It's just amazing. It's it's a dream come true. I mean, most people are like, well, what's your side? What do you really do? And it's like, no, I do this full time. I have an agent. I I was working at a nightclub where it's um it's basically I, I call it Studio 54 of today. It's called The Box. And it was it's the hot spot. It's where celebrities are. It's where Beyonce's having her party Lady Gaga's showing up like you know uh James Franco's in the audience all week long you know what I mean every single night of the week he's coming in for the it's it's like who's who is trying to get in and everyone's asking can you get me in at the door and it's like a swarm of people if you think of Studio 54 any you know what's that movie with um from the 70s what is Saturday Night Fever what it's like that at the door where it's like you're clamoring to get in like you're hoping you get in if you're dressed cool enough, if you look cool enough, maybe they'll spot you and say you can come in. That's the kind of place I worked. Right. It was so cool. And there were no political litmus tests, obviously. Not at the time, not in like mid 2010s. It wasn't until 2016 where then suddenly like a lot of the performances, a lot of the hosts on the mic and the, on, you know, between the performances had a lot of political things to say. And I was like, what the what's going on here? You know, roll my eyes a little bit, whatever. What kind of performers were these? I'm curious. It was all sorts of stuff. So there's stuff that probably uh, you would not be very interested in, very taboo, weird thing. <laughs> they might be, they or I might not admit being interested in. <laughs> yeah. But um, then there were some Cirque people. There were performers that traveled around the world and they did like contortion acts. There was David and Danya, who they're, they're a really famous uh, couple who do the quick change act. So you may have seen them on TV already. And they do the, you know, and they do the quick in a few seconds, they pull up a, a sheet and then she has a whole different outfit on, you know, things like that. This sounds a lot like the kind of variety act you might have seen it's when I was growing up on Ed Sullivan. Yeah, it's stuff like that. But what we would do is kind of twist it a little bit. So it's a bit late night <laughs> and sometimes like they would have like a normal act like that david and danya had their state they were they're famous you know traveler world travelers there was a brother group um young young italian boys and they do the thing where they he's like on his back like flipping his brother and he's doing flips in the air with this you know and it's like they're doing this acrobatic thing together uh there's a contortionist amazing woman sort that, of, would... that sounds a little influenced by maybe blue man group also you know that sort of uh combination of physical performance and mm -hmm. and virtuosity combined with uh, edgy funky new yeah show. mixed with those variety shows that are very talented cert type things they would kind of have their house acts where they would be a little raunchier and a little bit more sexual or a little bit more trippy. You know, they had one performance where the costume was just big giant pair of lips with legs and the arms were like the tongue and they would be like licking things. Really? It's that's interesting. That, that's fascinating because I've been described that way myself actually, <laughs> as someone yeah. with literally no lips. <laughs> All right. So we we could we could talk about this for for easily for yeah. half an hour, but I want to now scoot ahead a little bit and find when did the political stuff start affecting you? During uh, Trump's 2016 
uh, campaign. During the campaign. campaign. Before he was even elected. Um, I think we all saw it. We all felt it, especially in the Northeast, New York, New Jersey area. Um, you, you mean, when you say it, you mean the politicization of everything. The, it was, like being, like, I remember George W. Bush being president and everyone hated him, right? And it was the whole... Right. You know, Bush, oh God, Bush Hitler, Bush Hitler. Yeah, Bush he, Hitler. He, he was. was I mean, it wasn't. Yes. A, it wasn't a mild disagreement. It was. This man is the absolute. Yeah. So we thought we. He had masterminded nine eleven, but he was also the biggest dope in the world. Like he was, you know, every like he. I didn't think it could get as bad as that was, but the Trump thing. Every single time Republican comes kind of up, they 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 find a way to destroy him more and more severely. So then it came to Trump was like the next big one since Bush, and it was like even worse. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, they're like, if you even hint of being a Republican or liking Trump out of all of the candidates, you're crazy. You're crazy. So and they went from crazy to something much worse than crazy, right? You're, you're yeah, but went to Nazi very quickly. <laughs> and of course, you're a Croatian, so we know you actually are a Nazi. Or oh my you... God, stop! Right? I mean, I didn't even know all of that until I started being like, I'm not, I'm not a Nazi. I was like, I'm Eastern European, and I was like looking into all the history, and I was like, oh, maybe it's not the best angle. <laughs> <No. laughs> and so, so, I mean. Were you at around that time? Would you would you say you were sort of at the peak of what you wanted to do? You know, were, yeah, I was like in the mix. I I was, you know, and it's tough because sometimes when people try to like shit on me online or something, they're just like, "Oh, you're a nobody," and I'm like, I mean, I'm not sitting here like in the Hollywood, LA kind of scene, like trying to be a movie star. Like I was in a very niche, you know, New York City, right. like live entertainment like scene so but in my scene I was very well known and that's where the whole icon comes from I did these ad campaigns where they had other New York City non-life icons like Amanda Lepore she's like a famous uh transgender older person like club kids scene um you've probably seen her she has looks very crazy but she's a really sweet um you know woman and uh, I call her one wish stuff. She's done the whole thing. The older trans people that I worked with, they understood what they were. You know, they weren't trying to be like offended for you not thinking I'm like a real one. No, they did the whole procedures. They weren't sitting there with all the, the male bits and going, you have to call me a woman. You know, like they knew what they were. Oh, but this like, is a really important, really important yeah. point. In other words, they at that time they were they were free to do to to, to yeah. do what they wanted to do what to, to take whatever treatments or procedures yes. they wanted to but there was not this requirement that everyone pretend not yes. to notice we were in the freak scene we were right. freaks you were weren't you they were a freak they knew it i was a freak in my own weird way just because i'm like oh i'm a weirdo i dress up like you know <laughs> And I'm Lady Alchemy. Like it's it's a weird thing to be like making a, Lady Alchemy. Like, and you make and you're making a living doing this, right? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I I did very well. I had an agent. Um, I worked at that theater five days a week, uh, full time, <laughs> and I was a staple there. Uh, and it was I was busy. I was a workaholic, busy, busy, busy. But um, yeah, then I started noticing these political things about Trump kind of popping up and a lot of animosity. And I knew that like everyone around me were very liberal or what do we call, what do we call leftists? Is that what we want to call them leftists? Yeah. And I didn't want to, I'm very passive and you've seen me, you know me. I, I can be quite passive about stuff. And I just like, I don't even want to get into an argument. like- there are times I don't even want to call you if we have to like discuss something serious. I'm just like, oh, I'm scared. <laughs> like, you know, like I don't want any arguments at all. So I've avoided the whole political conversation with everybody. And I just knew I have my beliefs and they can have their beliefs, but I can still love them. That's okay. And most of them knew that I was a bit conservative side and like a little bit like, I mean, I'm straight and I'm a real woman. And you're married now. And now I'm married. And that's the thing. When I was single, I was like, oh, like I, time is ticking, you know, I'm turning 30 and I need to have a, have a family. And they would say backstage, oh, 
you don't need kids. Men are just accessory. Like they would do the whole feminist thing with me. And I'm just like rolling my eyes like, okay, maybe that's you, but like, I want the normal family (laughs) husband kind of thing. And that would be nice. But in my scene, I didn't know where to find that, you know, like I'm around a bunch of weirdos. Like I'm not going to find someone with the same values as me. So, so when did the other shoe drop? In other words, shoe one was enhanced or heightened consciousness, political consciousness, yeah. both on the on your part and the part of those around you. When did it start to affect your ability to work? Okay, so and make you a I got exposed is just like it's so stupid because it it shows you how like old I am and bad with technology but basically I was known as Lady Alchemy there were people that I worked with every day in the theater that give me my checks that didn't even know my real name I remember someone in the office saw through the paperwork that my real name was Martina Marco they go that's really beautiful like they had no idea my real name every I'm Lady Alchemy that's what we are I don't even know other people's real real names they're you know whatever weird name that they choose that's how you know them as and um i was very there's something psychological not about not being able to like express yourself so everyone else was being very vocal politically they were saying all sorts of stuff i disagree with but i didn't want to get into an argument with friends or coworkers or people but it was like bottling all of this stuff in not knowing any other conservatives in real life or or online or anything and i thought I have to express myself somehow. How can I do this? And I go, well, I'm 30 years old. My real name is a clean slate. They don't know who that is. Let me use my real name. And I bought my website, martinamarcota.com, wrote a little piece about, you know, being into like burlesque performance art or whatever, and being a conservative, talked about, you know, the culture and the arts and all that stuff and kind of did my own thing. Not much of a writer, but I was trying to express myself that way. Then I downloaded, uh, downloaded, I um, signed up for a whole different set instead of Lady Alchemy social media pages. I, I signed up to be Martina Marcota on my social media pages and I posted some memes on Instagram and whatever, but I was an idiot and didn't realize at the time that Facebook bought or Instagram at that time. So they would have like a notification for all 5,000 followers of mine, the producers I worked with, the, you know, director at the theater, all of the other performers. Oh, because you were using the same phone number or or the same. Yeah, I was using some same email or something. I messed something up where it notified all 5,000 of them. Your Facebook friend has a new account, go follow. And then I saw all these people following going, where are you coming from? And then I see in the comments, is this for real? <laughs> and I'm just like, shit, 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 shit. And um, and then I went to work and I started to get a little cold shoulders and a little like, hello, when I'm in the dressing room and a like ignoring me. And I'm just like, something weird is going on. <laughs> and then the arguments, the discussion, the you know, debates backstage started to happen. And, and by it- the way, how many of these people? What percentage of these people were as well educated as you? Oh my God. Not to be like overwhelmingly not people with college degrees, right? No, not to be like a bitch about it, but well, like, I'm, I'm inviting you to no. be a bitch about it. Yeah. To make this point that these people they didn't are study mathematics, I'll tell you that. Right. They were not rocket scientists. In other words, no. they knew that you were departing from orthodoxy, but not they didn't have a a truly principled disagreement with positions you that they were scribing to you, but rather they just knew that you were not playing along. Yeah. I mean, I was surprised genuinely because these people knew me. I was there every day. I'm very polite. I'm very nice to everyone. And I have the old school etiquette and, and you know, way about me. And I thought that they would genuinely go, oh my God, Lady Alchemy is a Republican? Maybe I should re or Trump supporter. Maybe I should rethink what I thought a Trump supporter was. Instead, they went the other way. They went, oh, Lady Alchemy is a Trump supporter. She's a a, a racist, Nazi, bigot, you know, I don't know, all the words. If I could be a Nazi, you certainly could be a Nazi. I assure you. (laughs) I know, it's crazy. So I was shocked by that. And I was like, how can you ascribe? Like, you see me every day. You know who I am. They thought they did, but now they know the truth. Yeah. You were actually a terrible I'm person. I'm secretly a racist the whole time. Secretly. And you know what? 
and then and then we know the rest. Of, we know how it goes from there. Yeah, then it's the cancellation and the, you know, let's get her out of the club. Let's get her out of the scene. Let's call up every single producer. Let's call up every gig that she has and, and every opportunity that she has. Make sure it's destroyed. She's a Nazi. Um, so then now I, now I don't perform anymore. And you know what? That may be the best thing that happened for you because, you know, listen, I've said this before. Who cares that I said it before? I'm thinking that people have memorized every previous podcast. I do the same thing. Right. I repeat myself over and over again. <laughs> so I so I used to be a performer, not not professionally. Really? Through high school and college, I you know, I wasn't religious then. And through high school and college, I was a, I was very very active in theater and oh. I was and I was rather successful on st on the stage. And I remember thinking this is all this is like a drug. This is a drug. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, there were even people who had gone from Princeton to from the, you know, into show business. And we knew them because they were, they had been part of the same ensembles that I was in. Mm -hmm. And I realized that unless they were like all time superstars, someone like James Stewart, right? Who's like a Hollywood icon. So unless you reach that status, a Cary Grant, you're, you go you're always going from one gig to the next meaning that your your ability to get the supply of the drug is going to be withheld it's right. limited and you know i i knew that and besides the fact that even, even that's even assuming you ever do get work and i decided not right. you know not to go in that direction now you you know you you're having a great time you're doing all this cool interesting stuff but i'm going to maybe push it a little bit here you're a beautiful woman and you're also not going to always be a beautiful woman you'll always be a beautiful woman but you're going to be an older beautiful woman at some point and at some point your ability to draw Transition. an audience for yeah. some kinds of the performance art uh is going to be is going to be limited you've now settled into normal human life yeah you know like as most people live it which which i mean do, do you miss the, the 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 um dopamine rush of of? yeah i mean they call it you'll know this in theater it's the the bug you get the bug oh uh, yeah of course. and um yeah for sure and i mean this is why i feel a little bit robbed because like i was in a place and it was like Yes, I'm not going to be like whatever the mainstream hottest celeb out there is. And I didn't expect that. But what I was doing was very satisfying for me. And I was known in my scene and in my genre. And in New York, I could go around. I was recognized. I was, I'm just going to say No, that. I get oh, it. Yeah. I, I completely get um, that. Yeah. No, I get that. So, and and like, yeah. I, and what bothers me is that the last of my like youthful years were as I was on that climb were stripped for me like it's like you're you're going like that and then someone just like it's like the stepsisters in Cinderella just came and ripped apart like all my like my dress and the last of my youth was like stolen from me just being in limbo it's been seven years it's like almost a decade now of me being in limbo these are my last young years I'm gonna be you know 40 soon and now i'm like well that's that <laughs> oh, but, but on the other hand you avoided the fate of sunset boulevard right oh yeah. uh, you know uh, mr demille i'm ready for my close-up now and and yeah so you're trying it, to say you, you sort of like, leave you you, you you have sort of like career-wise you leave a good-looking corpse yeah or corpus but you it, it's not i i don't see your eyes burning with fire over this idea because you <laughs> has you had many good years left you could yeah. have enjoyed it and, and it maybe you also and also you could have made choices at that stage right. about how how i said now i want to switch channels and, I, and i'm sure it's going to end up coming back to this it's all related but art martina marcota art through the ages yeah you have all these videos you are as i said in the beginning a culture vulture you're someone with a genuine appreciation for the the canon uh certainly I don't, I don't know if literature is included but the fine the fine arts uh performing arts fine arts you 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 have a demonstrated uh interest and apparently you feel comfortable not only talking about these um 
painting and, and, and sculpture, but also cinema. You're a photographer. First of all, yeah. self-taught was, or is this stuff that you were, that you were also learning while you're learning math at NYU? Uh, no, I would say self-taught. Um, I mean, like I said, in high school, I did take art history and art portfolio. So like I have the basics of, you know, the theory and uh, techniques of, of art from the, the basics you know, perspective and all sorts of whatever and art history, but. So you, you're using the term art now in the terms of visual art. Fine art. Yeah. Fine, fine arts, art. visual arts, right. Basically painting yeah. and re repre representative representational art. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm looking here, maybe not a great deal of interest in abstract or am I wrong about that? Well, okay. So it's interesting you said, because I found, I was digging up some documents. I was like looking for like my birth certificate or something. And I found like this folder with like my um, recommendations for NYU. And it was my art teacher in high school. And I was reading it and I was like, wow, this is so crazy. And I'm reading it back and it shows how I had this interest in like representational fine arts, like the classics, neoclassical, like uh, and classical Greek stuff, um, just really uh, the Renaissance, like the really classic stuff, which is what my photography looks like. I, I call it the old master paintings. And uh, I like them to look like these Caravaggio's or Rembrandt or something or Vermeer. And um and I didn't have an appreciation for abstract back then. No, I didn't. But as I get older and a little bit weirder, I'm kind of like, I kind of like modern art. There's a difference between modern art and contemporary. People use modern art when they mean contemporary. Yeah, I think a lot of contemporary is a bunch of crap. Um, you know, they're trying to make something stupid, be like art. But modern art is actually started in the 1800s. And I don't know, when does it go to? Um, like 30s maybe fit no 50s and 60s was still modern art um and i kind of like it i kind of like that yeah i mean it might be fair to say that maybe andy warhol is the one who yeah. sticks, sticks a fork in it at that point yeah you know it's the end of the road and i actually wrote a brief on this subject uh that in a case that's pending before the second circuit court of appeals involving the wavy baby wavy baby shoe which was a basically a parody, although you could wear it, of, of, of a Vans, a super duper expensive Vans shoe. And the whole question, mm -hmm. what is art? I'm going to send it to you. And you're just going to love it. Um, but so, so, so because as you got older and more sophisticated, you were able to see how non-representational art was actually- It has its place. It has, 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 place. It has well, but, but after all, and you had been doing this sort of performance art and, and avant-garde, avant-garde yeah. art, Exactly. earlier in your career. So you always recognized that there was a place for something other than being, you know, trying to replicate Da Vinci, you know, right. and be a painter, just, you know, painter and a sculptor. Now, so, so you, you made an important point. There's a difference. First of all, is there such a thing as art in this, in our culture anymore? I mean, they call people who record rap artists. Yeah. Rap artists, right? Rap artists. Okay, the lyrical artists. <laughs> is 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 art? Does art live in twenty in 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 the twenty twenty first century America? You know, it's it's hard to see sometimes, and especially with today's age, it's definitely hard to see. But um, there was a really good uh, Woody. Woody Allen. <laughs> Woody, yeah, Woody Allen. I was gonna see the little like Jewish guy. Um, <laughs> I'm the big Jewish guy. He's the little Jewish. Guy. <laughs> yeah. He he did one in the 2000s with Owen Wilson, uh, Midnight in Paris, and it kind of opened my eyes to the idea of like, we fantasize like other time periods. That's what the whole movie is about. And I really like it. And we fantasize other time periods, other places. And we just think that there was such a like, man, they really did it then. Like they really had the good artists or the literature then. Like we don't have that today. And it got me thinking, well, who are the great artists? Of they, they are here. We just don't know them. They're not household names get and, you know? and and what what kind of art are they creating yeah I, I, that is the question and that's a good question and it actually inspires me to kind of go out and do that again because in the 2000s and early 2010s that's when i was trying to you know do my lady alchemy thing that's what i went out to pursue and to find i did meet a few um artists that i think are 
the contemporary times. Uh, one guy is Robert Lazzarini, and he's based in Brooklyn. And he does these, um, this is before people had 3D printers. Like now anyone can buy a 3D printer. But like this was back when it was like, oh my God, having a 3D printer was like a really rare occurrence. And he had a whole factory like Andy Warhol, or probably still does, um, in Brooklyn. And he would do these 3D prints of things like that were normal. Like I'm trying to think of like an example. I mean, he had like, let's say like a telephone, you know, like a rotary telephone, but he would put like a mathematical shear on it. I don't know if you know what a shear is, but it like, it like slants it and like distorts it or like oh, okay. puts like a waveform like through it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you reprint it and it looks like exactly like a real object, but with this distortion on it. And it does something with your brain that kind of like, like it trips you out and so he would do a lot of those kinds of sculptures and they were really fascinating so i mean that's a contemporary artist of today that i think will be in um art history books and it's an interesting thing because it's not like we're again talking about like doing a da vinci painting right <laughs> it's using 3d technology you know so so is this in your view is that sort of art which is a variety of you know it, it's sort of performance art or installation type art is yeah. is it a, you think of it as as valid at, as art i mean is there like a dividing line in your view that it's either art and if it's art then it's as valid as you know this this high technique you know you mentioned ballet dancing i mean the rigor yeah. that's required oh, yeah. to be do you, do you play any musical instruments? I do. Yeah. I mean, I grew up playing the flute and clarinet in school. Okay. So, so, so of course, of course, because you're mathematicians, so it makes sense. Your, your, your brain was trained early on yeah. to think musically and mathematical music, uh, basically, you know, yeah. different expressions of many the same concepts. You recognize then as a musician, what the, the, the amount of rigor that is required to perform adequately much less at a virtuoso level yeah. um in in traditional artistic expression is this sort of modern or contemporary art does it am i correct in assuming that it lacks that level of level yeah i know i know what you're saying i mean I, like there's a mix it really is a bit nuanced like i don't want to be the arbiter of like this is art this isn't art this no, is art I, yeah that, um, that would be pretty but uh that certainly I, won't work in the 21st century yeah. <laughs> i mean i am a fan of the vigor that you say the study the technique like i i have major respect for that that's i think also a conservative ideal which is why we appreciate um working hard for anything um in alchemy they call like like the religious stuff the study the spiritual work um it's uh, like, why why we call it a ritual? Why do we do rituals? Because it's something you do every day. It takes every day to do it, to become, you know, I don't want to say good at it because being good at spiritual, like the, it's not really the right way to say it, but to get the value out of the spiritual practice, something you practice, you do it ritually over and over and over again. There's value in that. Same thing with working out, same thing with anything that takes a long time and dedication to do like mad respect for that. But there are some people that like, don't have that technique necessarily, but like are still able to kind of they have some sort of je ne sais quoi. They have that spirit of like, they, they're just talented, you know, like, no, I don't know if Jimi Hendrix can read music, but he knew how to make, you know, play the guitar and make people go wild over it. So, so, so art is something right where you, I'll tell you something funny. One of the shows I was in, a musical, I was in the, what's called the triangle show. And there was this musical comedy review. And the theme of one year's show was art. And one of the characters was a guy named Art. <laughs> I love that. And well, it's a long story. Okay, <laughs> I, I actually played another character th throughout the, uh, I was the muse. I, I inspired people to create art. Um, just, you know, for context of where I'm coming from and really, we're, believe it or not, we're, we're past the three quarters of an hour mark. This, oh. this was the tweet that I tweeted we once lived in a society where art and culture mattered. And what was that? And what was that a link to? It didn't resolve very uh, well. 
the, still harmonic. The, right. Where, where there's a, there's an incredible story where Glenn Gould, the great pianist, had come up with an, uh, with a novel interpretation of the first piano concerto of Brahms. And he mentioned it to Bernstein. I said, I want to do this at the concert tonight. And Bernstein says, all right, you know, I, it's, I, I'm not sure I buy what you're selling, but you're Glenn Gould and I'd like to see, I'd like to, I, I think it's worth doing it. But the, so the controversy arose when Bernstein, before the performance begins, turns around and says to the audience, I just want to explain something. Glenn Gould has this interpretation that you're about to hear that is really amazing. I'm not sure I agree that it's it's the right interpretation. And I feel I must tell you that because I'm obviously paraphrasing. But as the maestro, you may very well attribute to me his, you know, the, this interpretation. And it's not, I'm not there. But let's now enjoy it together and there's a huge hubbub in the audience and people are and people are laughing people are shouting but it's this shared cultural experience on this really relatively high level it takes place in 1962 before either of us was born okay I... is there anything that could possibly happen like that in the year 2022 well, I have a question. What did he do that was so controversial? That was uh, his interpretation. What, 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 like, what was the element that he did? You know. Yes. But it, it it intrigues me because that's exactly it. This is what I'm talking about. Where it takes that next level of like avant garde of like people can be in uproar about it, and I feel like we can kind of we're at fault of that sometimes on the right, being right wingers or whatever, of seeing something classical turning it on its head and then being upset by that. But like, it's not always bad. Um, I agree with you. And many of our favorite people, uh, Gavin McInnes, for example, have succeeded in their art by shining different lights and looking and, and on things that we're used to. So Gould's performance, okay? It was much slower. He was criticized for taking excessive liberties with the score markings, recent research has to a point validated his ideas. His tempo was more like what was probably intended by Brahms as opposed to what was the custom. And it's very odd because for some reason, I don't even know if this is why this happened. I'm not any kind of expert on classical music, but going through my, my Apple Music in the car, for, oddly enough, the Fifth Symphony, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony came up. And I'm listening to it. And, and this is the, everyone knows, this is the most pedestrian. You don't have to know any, everyone knows the Fifth Symphony. It doesn't, but it, the pay, it was much too fast. It was much too fast. And I said, <laughs> wait a minute. What, what, why, don't, why am I saying this? And I remembered growing up, my father had this collection of performances by the great German exile conductor, um, Bruno, Bruno Walter, and I looked it up on the internet, and darn if that was that was in my mind when I that was the Fifth Symphony I grew up with. Yeah, and it wasn't da 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 da. It was da 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 da. Yes, yes, yes. Da 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 da. And all this <laughs> drama. This, so, but you're but you're right. See what, what I'm trying to get at in the, in the remaining couple minutes here is. Even though there are valid art, there are we both agree that there are valid artistic experiences a person can have in modern using modern or contemporary or avant-garde modalities. Yeah, but it, the, it, it, yeah, no, it's just like we gotta figure it out. Like sometimes, I mean, look at what's happening with AI. Look at there's you know, like I mentioned with the 3D printing, like with. There's new technologies, there's new things, like in the 80s, synth came and like that changed things. And, you know, there's always going to be like something that we, someone is going to do something brilliant with it. And I have faith in that for as humans. Um, I think there's like a general thing where it sucks, where if someone's trying too hard and they want to become like, you know, there's the arts where someone wants to be an artist and they make, you know, they literally vomit paint, you know, paint onto a canvas and they're like, I'm an artist. And we all kind of roll our eyes. It's like, okay, you wanted to be shocking. You wanted to do something, but there are people that can be genuine that, that are really, there's something smart in them that they take something 
and they do something new with it. And that is what that shift. I, I wish I knew what it was because I want to do it. What do you <laughs> and mean? Sometimes- <laughs> How do you not know it? You, you were describing what you were doing for years. You know what it is. Yeah, yeah. And when I go through the art history on, on my streams, sometimes like there's concepts that, um, and you were describing it too, where it's like, they they psychologically uh there's even with the impressionistic art where they take color theory and they it creates certain imprints with your brain and and how it kind of can think and same thing with this robert lazarini guy with the weird distortions on on everyday objects that created a trigger in your brain that kind of messed with you and it's like if you can do make art that can have something psycho have a psychological effect like that or to have theater production or a performance art piece and that's something that I've done that I'm really proud of is one of my pieces where it was in an art gallery and it was this live performance piece uh, and people were like it, it was like a spiritual experience and afterwards it was just like just stunned faces and it was like oh my god and yeah I have footage of it but to be there live and the footage is great people kind of have an experience with the footage but that's what I love about New York and for live performance is that that's what we do in New York. We do live performance. We do yeah. theater. And that's the association I have, for example, with Laurie Anderson's yeah. Superman. Oh, Laurie. Yeah. I saw Laurie Anderson at, like at last month in November. Oh, oh, just now. Yeah. Yeah. But I yeah. mean, you, ha- if you don't understand that that's art. Yeah. We are not, we can't talk. We can't talk. <laughs> at least not about art. We can talk about baseball, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it. We've lost everyone by now. So we're 54 minutes into this or something very close to it. Martina, what a great chat. This was exactly what I hoped for. Uh, awesome. You're such a human, a humane person. You coming, you seem to me very happy and and a great deal of stress compared to previous times when we have spoken. Yeah. And I'm glad to see and I hope it continues. And please give Jack my very best. I will. Thank you. I really appreciate you a lot. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Hey, thank you for listening to the Coleman Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please rate it five stars and leave a review. For more information, please visit the show's website at coleman-nation.com. That's coleman-nation.com. Or you can visit my blog at likelihoodofconfusion.com. Join us next time on the Coleman Nation podcast and have a great day.